Well, good afternoon. It's good to be able to see you today as we continue to celebrate our Easter community service. We want to welcome you, and we also want to say thank you to First Baptist Church for opening their church and their streaming equipment so that we can bring these services for you. We invite you to join us as as we as we go through this week in 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 Holy Week and as we go in through our services, Amen. Let us take a time to pray at this moment. Father, we give you thanks this day for being with us. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you because even before we got here, you were already here, Lord. And Father, you have prepared this day, Lord, for us. And Father, we ask that you would come and that you would uh, prepare our hearts to receive your word today, Lord. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give me, Lord, to bring your word today. Father, that as we go on reflecting, Lord, on during this holy week, I pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would be with us that your Holy Spirit might stir our hearts and that we might never forget, Lord, the grace that you have given us, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done, Lord. And Father, thank you for all of those who are watching online, oh God. We bless them, Lord, and we give you thanks for their lives, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke. We're going to go to chapter 22, 22nd, and we're going to read verses 24 through 38. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that you faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again and strengthened your brothers, Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I send you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? 
No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. It's always interesting and very enlightening when you get the opportunity to watch a small children's play sport, right? It doesn't matter which sport is it. It could be uh, football or, as we would say in, Mer- in Mexico, American football. It could be soccer, which would be our football in Mexico, or it could be baseball or basketball. It never fails, right? Sometimes the kid gets the ball and he, if he's playing football, he runs and goes to his own touchdown. Or if he's playing soccer, he gets the ball and shoots to his own goal. Or worse, they get the ball and they finally get that ball. They look at it. They look at the, at, at the players. They look at their coach and go like, what's next, right? And it's all fun and games because they're children. They're learning. Although there's always, there's always that parent, right? That treats that children's game like if it was a pro game and they, and, and they make it a little bit uncomfortable sometimes for, for everyone. But what about if a professional team would do that? I have to confess. I have a confession to make. I am a Miami Dolphin fan. I'm sorry, Falcons, the Miami Dolphins, Dan Marino, and their, and their, and their game against the Jets that, that, that Sunday night, many, many years ago, they just won me over. Now, you might say, well, what's different from the Atlanta Falcons to the Miami Dolphins, especially looking at the recent seasons? But I'll ask you this, and I want to listen to you. Which team has an undefeated season with a Super Bowl in it. Let me hear it. That's what I thought. No one. Only the Miami Dolphins. Now imagine that game. In 1972. It, it was the Super Bowl number seven. Super Bowl number seven. Uh, the game is started. And you can actually go watch the game on YouTube. Right? You, you, you can watch a lot of things on YouTube. But you can watch this game there. And the guy who is narrating the game. He starts by saying... Uh, that this game is the most intriguing match that they have had in the Super Bowl era. Granted, they had only been seven games, but he even talks about recalling that rivalry of the championship games between AFL and the NFL. So it's an important game. Now imagine that you and I were like, uh, like a fly on a wall right there with Don Shula and his players. Don Shula is talking to them. He's talking to the team before the Super Bowl. And, and, and he's telling them, this is the game of our life. After all, at stake, we have a perfect season and a Super Bowl. No team has ever done that. 
So Don Shula sits down with his players. They go over the play. He explains to them the strategy that they need to follow so that they could win the game. And right after Don Shula explains all these things to their players, what would have happened if suddenly Larry Sanka and Bob Greasy would started to fight about who's going to hold the trophy if we win? I want to hold it. No, I want to do it. I'm the quarterback, but I'm the running guy. Oh, how about if the defense people were started to, to, to shout their own statistics? Do they seem prepared? Now imagine, imagine that Don Shula sees these things. And he tries again and tells him, Look, we have been doing very well together. We've come a long way. We lost some games in the preseason, but now we are undefeated. We have a chance at this Super Bowl. Our training has paid off. And then Don Shula turns around and looks at Bob Greasy and tells him, Bob, it's going to be a very difficult game. And then Bob Greasy replies, Ha, I've been playing great the whole season. We know he was injured. This is just an imaginary scenario. And he answers, I've been playing great the whole season. You don't have to worry about me. Don Shula looks him in the eye and tells him, Bob, I tell you, before the first half, you will be sacked and you will have two interceptions. Seeing that response from Bob, Don Shula tries again one more time. He's talking to his team. He tells him, this game is going to be very hard. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It's going to be very hard. And to make matters worse, I won't be able to be with you on the sidelines. You will have to think for yourself. It is going to be a fight to the last minute. And then one of the play players shouts from the back and says, Great, I've been waiting to be able to punch one of those Players on the face and knock them down. I can see Don Shula just looking up to the sky, maybe raising his hand and saying, it's enough. Enough of this talk. And you could sense kind of his frustration. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage that we just read. Jesus is celebrating his last meal. And as uh, 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 yesterday, as we heard, it's a meal that Jesus was anticipating to celebrate with his disciples. Jesus knows, and the disciples know, because Jesus has told them several times that he has to suffer and die. And Jesus is telling them, giving them all the wisdom, the latest plan so that they could win on, 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 this, on, on this earth. They could have a plan to be able to fulfill the, 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 the plan of God. He is pouring his heart out to his disciples. And what are the disciples talking about? About who is the greatest. 
about who is going to hold out that Super Bowl trophy, so to speak. They are discussing who will have more power, more authority, who will be a better disciple when they are in heaven. Now, when Luke writes these events, there's, there's, there's two things that we need to notice. First of all, at that table, it's Judas is still there. Judas is there, right? Sitting with them, eating with them. And that discussion about who's going to be the greatest happened at that table. See, by look by situating these events during the table, it, it serves for us as pointers that even today, yes, church, even today, these kinds of discussions happen. Professor Fred Craddock wrote, by placing the dispute about the greatness at the Lord's table, Luke again changes an ugly moment in the history of the twelve into a very real and present exhortation to those who share the table. And you know who shares the table today? You know who shares the Lord's table today? It's you and I. And you and I are always in danger of falling for the same traps. See, when, Jesus, when the disciples start to discuss about the greatness, who is greater, who is bigger, what Jesus tells them changes everything because he turns greatness upside down. He turns greatness on its head. See, because Jesus says, look, it's not, it's not about who is more powerful. It's about who is going to serve. And this notion is not only for the church, because this is central, central to what Jesus Christ did as a minister during his ministry here. That's why Jesus Christ reached to those on the margins. That's why Jesus Christ proclaimed freedom to the captives. That's why Jesus Christ touched those who were untouchables, because he knew that they needed the most of his ministry. And church, we are called today, you and I, we are called to abandon our dreams of greatness, to follow the dreams that Jesus Christ has put forward for us. He who wants to be the greatest needs to be the least. Today, um, uh, a church member uh, shared a post on Facebook. And it, I cannot remember the exact words, but it's something like this. Sometimes I think what I would do if it was my last day to live. And they start saying, well, I might go eat all uh, junk foods and go do this, go do that. And then he says, but then it struck me. Jesus knew it was his last days. But he decided to take a towel, gird himself, and go and wash the feet 
of the disciple. Sometimes it's easy to look down on the apostles for their attitudes. But when you and I sit at the table of the Lord, the words of verses 24 through 27 of humility and service return as a reminder and as a warning. Lest we forget what is it about. I'm going to jump to verse 31st as we see the announcement of Peter's denial. We have to remember that all of this is the plan that Jesus is giving his disciples. At this point, we see Satan given a larger activity in, in this passage. Jesus has rebuked him on the desert. He has told them, get off of me, right? And even Luke 14 tells us that the devil, Satan, went away, but that he would return in a more opportune time. A time maybe that meant using Judas's weaknesses to betray Jesus. A time that maybe meant using uh, uh, Peter's weaknesses to deny him. But it's also a time when all the other disciples are going to be put through a very difficult test. You see, the word you in verse 31, it's a plural word, right? If you go back uh, in, in, into, into the Greek, you will see it's a plural, a plural verb, verb. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, look, you are going to go through a di- very difficult time. And he's telling Peter, Peter, all of you are going to go through a very difficult time. You're going to be shaken like wheat. And the disciples are going to need a leader at that time. But who could be that leader if Jesus is not going to be with them anymore? So in verse 32... We see Jesus telling Peter, I have prayed for you. Now the you in verse 32, it's singular. It's Jesus talking to Peter. I have prayed for you, Peter. Any position of leadership that Peter has among the disciples, it's not because of what he had done. It's not because he has been great. It's because Jesus Christ gave it to him. But Jesus did something for Paul. He prayed, not for Paul, for Peter. He prayed for a very specific reason. He says, I am praying for you so that your faith will not fail. And he knows that Peter is going to deny him. And he says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, you can go and strengthen your brothers and your sisters. Jesus prays that Peter would become a source of strength. See, in in, in Satan's plan, by destroying the ministry of Jesus and by destroying the work of the disciple, he thinks he has it made. But he doesn't know what Jesus has been praying for. And isn't it it amazing that among all the things God uh, uh, comes and partners with us. Any source, our source that we might have, is not ours. It's from Christ. It comes directly from God. 
Christian leaders are not those exempt from fear, doubt, discouragement, and repeated testing, but those who are supported by prayer and who, through repentance, forgiveness, find grace and strength to continue. So today, church, I invite you, pray for your pastors. Pray for your church leader. Pray for your church leaders too. This past year, it has not been an easy year for anybody. But it's not been an easy year for your pastor. Pray for him. Support him in prayer. As we go into verses 35 through 38, it seems that Jesus is moving into a, a deeper level of seriousness. Jesus is, tar- is trying to impress in the disciples what is going to happen, the, how difficult it's going to be. And he does it by comparing two situations, right? He tells them, remember that time when I sent you two by two? Did you need anything? I told you don't take anything. Did you lack anything while you were there? And the disciples say, no. They depended on the, on the generosity of their hosts. But Jesus turns around and tells them, look, now you will need to depend on your own resources. You will need to depend on your own bag of money, on your own on, 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 on your own things that you have. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because Jesus is going to be treated as a criminal among the criminals. So the greatest level of, of, of criminals, that is how is Jesus going to be treated. And that's according to the prophecy from Isaiah 53, 12. And if Jesus is going to be treated as a criminal, so are his disciples. And we see this on Acts chapter 4, when, when, when Peter is taken uh, before the, the, the council. Jesus is telling his disciples, you will need to be strengthened. It's going to be one of those nights where you're going to sell your clothes to get a sword. Of course, Jesus is speaking symbolically because... Everything that Jesus has done up to now points to the other side. But then the disciples go and say, Lord, we have two swords here. Look at us. And maybe Jesus looking at them, looking at, at the swords, in knowing that they are not understanding and with a sense of frustration, He says, that is all. That's enough. Let's end this conversation. And as I go through this passage, as we go through this passage, there is a lowliness. There is a lowliness that is felt by Jesus. A lowliness in the supper that he is, has been waiting to participate with his disciples, which they don't seem to understand. A loneliness that's going to happen while he prays and the disciples are falling asleep. A loneliness during his arrest and eventual crucifixion. 
and as we work, and as we work for the kingdom, sometimes you and I are going to go through a moment of lowliness. And to write, put it this way. There are times when all Christian work carries this element. When the one entrusted with a vision, a vocation, a particular ministry finds that he or she has to carry it forward despite misunderstanding, opposition, doubt, and denial, even from close friends and associates, those who want to be bearers of the promise must be prepared for this puzzle. Sometimes, as we work in the ministry, as you and I serve the kingdom, we might feel that loneliness. But if we learn something from this passage, first of all is that we are called to serve. The second thing is that Jesus is fulfilling the call that God has put in his life, fulfilling the prophecies. Because even though he said that Judas was going to betray him and Judas betrayed him, even though he said Peter was going to deny him and Peter denied him, even though it's hurtful when we hear those words, it's hurtful, we can have the assurance that when Jesus speaks, his word is firm. And just as those words of betrayal and denial became true, the same words of resurrection and hope are going to become true, not only for the disciples back then, but for you and I here in our church. And when you merge these two issues, the being called to serve and the firmness of Jesus' word, when those become together, then you and I can start to build the kingdom that is here right now at this moment, but it has also a, f- a future component, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And what an awesome opportunity you and I have, church, to be together working for Christ. Even if sometimes we feel lonely, even if sometimes we feel misunderstood, can you hear the work plan of the Master? Love each other, serve each other, and trust in my words. Let us take a time to pray. Jesus, sometimes in our own, in our own in our own ways to try to do what's best, we forget to listen to you. Sometimes we don't stick to the plan that you have given us. And Jesus, sometimes, maybe like Peter, we denied you over material things. Or maybe even like Judas, we betray you 
or our own personal way of doing things. Help us to remember that this kingdom is not about us, that it is your kingdom, that you are calling and reaching out to those on the margins and inviting them to come and be fed. Help us, Jesus Christ, to be a witness of your love and your grace. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope to see you here tomorrow at uh, 12. And uh, have a blessed day. And may God continue to prepare our hearts for this Holy Week. God bless you. Bye-bye.